This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast, episode 421, for the week of February 12th, 2017. What is up? Welcome to Kanzen Shu, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Kanzen Shu. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening our side goal along the way. A little bit of entertaining in the process there. My name is Mike Vegito EX. It is not just me this episode. I'm here to set you up, knock you down. This episode on the podcast, we are doing two mini topics. I will be joined by two different folks for those mini topics. First up, we are going to talk to Jake Herms here from Konzenshu. We're going to do a little check in on translations with Dragon Ball recently. We're going to focus on the simulcast of Dragon Ball Super, and then we're going to take a quick look at Viz's translation of the Dragon Ball Super manga. When When the simulcast started, Jake and I did a real quick look at the translation in the simulcast, but now that it has been the entire Future Trunks arc, or I guess the remainder of the Future Trunks arc, now that we're starting a new arc and they have in fact gone all the way back to the beginning and filled in the holes, the entire series is available for streaming on various services, such as Crunchyroll, Daisuke, Anime Lab, Funimation, uh, maybe something else out there. I think those are the four big ones. Let's take a look at the simulcast translation, see what some of the choices they have made are.、Uh, Uh, how they rank against what we've independently decided、uh, prior to the simulcast and now alongside it. And the same thing with Viz and their translation of the Dragon Ball Super manga by Toyotaro, as it's originally serialized in V Jump each month. That'll be our first mini topic. And then after that, AJ is going to join me, talk a little bit about coloring, not just animation for the new arc, but the color, the presentation. What is going on with this、uh, saturation and these lines? What is going on with the art? We're going to talk about. That for about 20 minutes or so.、And、those are your two mini topics this here episode.、Uh, before we get to that, though, there has been some news over the last week. So I'm going to set you up with some news. We'll transition to a topic. We'll transition to another topic. We'll transition to an end of an episode. That is the plan. This here week, this here episode on Kan Zen Shu Z podcast.、Uh, so let's just get right into it. Let's talk Dragon Ball news from last week. I'm going to dip back a little further than a week, almost two weeks to the beginning of February, because actually the last episode that we released, our predictions episode, we recorded a week prior to its release, and then things came up and I couldn't get around to releasing it on time. So、uh, things are a little bit out of date in terms of news. So I'm going to jump you back to the beginning of the month. The big story here, I love this one. Masako Nozawa wins the Guinness World Record for the longest activity as a video game voice actor. So we're specifically Specifically talking about video games. Now, this does not mean that Nozawa was the first digital voice in video games. Of course, that is not the case. She began in the Super Famicom, the Super Nintendo era, and of course, there was digitized voice、uh, even on the NES, the Famicom before that, and of course, in arcades long before that. We are talking here about the longest consecutive activity as a voice actor. As of the awards ceremony, she had been playing Goku in video games consistently, dating back. Back to March 1993 with Dragon Ball Z Super Butoden, the first fighting game for the franchise. At that time, 23 years and 218 days. And of course, Nozawa continues onward.、Uh, whatever the next video game this year is going to be, she'll be in that.、Uh, recently, Xenoverse 2,、uh, Fusions, of course, Ultimate Mission X, that's going to be coming out in April. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the news. Nozawa had a comment during the ceremony. She said, I'm so surprised I can hardly speak. I'm thankful for 
for my health, otherwise I wouldn't be able to continue doing this so long. I've even joked before about getting a Guinness record. And then in her Goku voice, she said, Hey, uh, I'm Goku. I can't believe this. I'll keep going another 100 years. Yeah, Nozawa has uh, mentioned this in interviews for, for quite some time. Uh, starting up around Battle of Gods, it seems to get in her head like, man, I've been doing this a long time. I want some kind of record. For what I've been doing here as part of the award ceremony, Toriyama himself was not there, but he did provide a comment. Of course, original manga author Akira Toriyama. Congratulations to Masako Dozawa-san for her two Guinness World Records. I guess I'm connected with this record too, right? A tiny bit, anyway. Makes me feel kind of proud. At this rate, I'm sure Nozawa-san will make a lot more Guinness Records. I hope she keeps getting them from here on out. Once again, congratulations. Toriyama notes two awards. Yeah, she did get two here. Uh, it's kind of two for the same thing. It's the longest period of consecutive activity as a video game voice actor in a role and specifically as Son Goku in the Dragon Ball video games. Now, you would think, alright, previously someone must have had this award, this distinction. Uh, so I looked into this a little bit. Previously, it was Ed Boon of the Mortal Kombat franchise who had the award as recently as the 2011 Guinness World Records Gamers Edition. It noted Ed Boon for his role of Scorpion in the Mortal Kombat franchise going back all the way to the first game back in 1992 and i was thinking to myself wait well they're still making mortal kombat games and ed boone is still the lead developer of the games how is he not still it well apparently patrick sites i think it is uh took over the role of scorpion in some of the recent games i think with the uh, the dc and mortal kombat crossover starting around there has actually been the main speaking voice of scorpion so i guess with that uh, i don't want to say the abandonment of the role of scorpion yeah nozawa is now the longest consecutive voice actor for a character in video games so congratulations to her speaking of just mentioned it ultimate mission X. This is the new Dragon Ball Heroes game coming to the 3DS in Japan. We already knew that this game was coming out, but we get a little bit more promotion here. Uh, this commercial is not very interesting, but the question on everyone's mind is why is it Ultimate Mission X and not Ultimate Mission 3? We have had Ultimate Mission 1, or Ultimate Mission, and then Ultimate Mission 2. This game, why is it X and not 3? Well, in this very short commercial that Bandai Namco uploaded to their YouTube channel, they have uh, this in-character conversation between Beerus and Whis. Beerus asks, so why why is it X rather than 3? Whis responds, because this new game is on an entirely different level than 3. Beerus retorts, on a divine level, you could say. It doesn't really answer, it's just more of a marketing thing. They're trying to kind of like neatly wrap it up, I suppose. So Ultimate Mission X is coming out April 27th in Japan. 5,700 yen plus tax. Uh, if you go digital, you'll save a couple bucks there. 51.30. And that special price is only until May 23rd. So about a month there. Uh, we've talked about this. I think it mentioned it last time on the show. Uh, I will play it. Jake will probably play it. I don't know because these games are actually not that much fun, but yeah, yeah, we'll pick it up. We'll play it. We'll let you know how it is. Do not hold your breath for a localization. Neither of the previous Dragon Ball Heroes Ultimate Mission games came out internationally. I doubt that Ultimate Mission X will come out internationally. I guess let's stick with game news for a little bit. Uh, there was a Beerus raid in Xenoverse 2, if you happen to catch it when they announced it. I think perhaps a more exciting news, Dragon Ball Fusions is getting its big promised update. Uh, we knew the European game is going to be coming out February 17th, and they were promised a day one patch to 
update the game pretty much in line with the Japanese version. Bandai Namco did announce on February 10th that February 13th, which is this week. In fact, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, the patch will be out. Uh, that's going to bring it in line to pretty much the same thing uh, as Japan as well. The main thing we're going to get here are new characters. So you're going to get uh, the super version of Future Trunks, Goku Black, Super Saiyan Rose, Goku Black, Super Saiyan Trunks from Dragon Ball Super, Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan Vegito, or Vegito Blue, or Super Saiyan Blue Vegito, uh, Zamasu Infused Zamasu, they're calling him, uh, Merged Zamasu is what we've been calling him, Gatai Zamasu. You'll also get some more clothes, uh, Future Trunks, Goku Blacks, Zamasus, and uh, Fused Zamasus, some new titles, some new special moves. This all comes from the 2.1 and 2.2 updates to Dragon Ball Fusions in Japan. The 2.1 update got you the online battles and such. The 2.2 update got us those time space vortex quest missions. Uh, they were kind of like weekly. I don't want to call them raid fights. I kind of weirded out by the usage of raid in these Dragon Ball video games. Uh, those big weekly battles where you, if you just participated, you got a character. And if you placed well on the leaderboard, you got a special attack uh, in commemoration of your wonderful achievement as well. We're just getting that all for free. So you can look forward to it this week, really over this next week, America is getting updated and Europe is getting the game. They're getting updated at the same time. Uh, nothing about sticks and swords. Uh, you've heard my thoughts on that before, which is I really don't care because fusions is so good. Otherwise, if you do care, I guess stay tuned and we'll let you know what happens there. Another thing I wouldn't necessarily hold my breath for, though, I guess uh, to transition over to our topics, our last bits of news are all Dragon Ball Super related. Viz has continued to post digital free versions of the Dragon Ball Super chapters. They most recently put up chapter 18 of the manga. So as of right now, there are only two chapters behind. Chapter 20 came out in the March 2017 issue of V-Jump, which came out at the end of January. So now that we're in February, in a little over a week or so, uh, we're going to get the April issue of V-Jump, which is going to have Chapter 21. But over the next month or so, we're going to be caught up. That's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I'm really hoping they're going to be able to do day and date with the V-Jump release. That'll probably work pretty well for them if they can handle that in terms of the print release again we've known this for a while but uh may 2017 this may is when viz is going to release their first collected edition of the dragon ball super manga that'll be chapters one through nine that'll be in print and digital again we already knew that uh digitally they're up to chapter 18 though the other big super news is content related that's new gods uh new fighters from universe nine as well but this all ties into what we just saw on the as we're recording and as we're releasing here the most recent episode of dragon ball super so I don't want to get into it too much. You can read our translations of all the character profiles and voice actor credits. That's all still on the homepage of Konzenshu. You can always dig into the Dragon Ball Super tag for all your old Dragon Ball Super news. So with that being said, I guess uh, I'll just transition it over to our topics for a little bit. That's been the news for the last eh, two weeks-ish or so. So again, two topics this week. We'll talk about translation stuff. Then we'll talk about coloring in the new arc. First up, let's talk translations with Jake. Our first mini topic, although by expectations, it'll probably turn into a larger topic than I initially thought, because that's how it tends to go here. I got Jake. We're going to check in with some translation stuff on Super. Hello. Hello, Jake. So the Dragon Ball Super simulcast, uh, the last time we checked in on it, it was completely fresh. Uh, there was a new episode and about 10 episodes, I want to say, kind of going back 
back. No, it was to the beginning of the future Trunks arc. So it wasn't that many episodes for us to take a look at, right? Yeah, that's about it. And then they started going back to the beginning of Dragon Ball Super and kind of filling their way in in 10-ish or so episode batches. So now that the entire Dragon Ball Super series, as it stands and moving forward, is uh, completely available on whatever service you're using, uh, Invis is also very quickly, as I talked about in the news, catching up. Uh, as we're talking, Chapter 18 is available free digitally if you happen to be in the right region. Uh, and Chapter 21 is going to be hitting V-Jump on just a week or so later this month. So they're very nearly catching up as well. It seemed like a great time to check in on uh, translation style, uh, word choices, name choices, that kind of stuff. Just see how uh, all these official releases are going and kind of at the same time give ourselves a grade. See how we're doing alongside them. Uh, you said that you have more notes for Viz. So I guess let's start with the simulcast if we don't have a whole hell of a lot to say about that. As we've entered the new arc, what are some of the specific, I guess, phrases, proper names, proper nouns that you've seen? Uh, and how does that line up with what you've been doing for us on Consensu? Well, I mean, we're just two episodes in. So for the most, you know, there's not too many new terms as of yet. Right. But, you know, like, I guess the big one is uh, Chikara no Taikai, the Tournament of Power. That's pretty literal, pretty straight. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's what we did. That's how we translated off the bat. I For a while there, I was toying with the idea of using Tournament of Might. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, ah, why bother? If ever, if everyone else is going to use power, then yeah, no yeah. real reason. But anyway, so yeah, they're using that. They're using power. The other thing, so this most recent episode, they had um, Mu no Kai, the, like, literally, like, the world of nothing. Mm-hmm. So Mu as in, well, literally nothing or a void. And so Crunchyroll's take on it was the world of void. Mm-hmm. So again, just pretty direct. And then the other thing is the new character. Well, we got three new characters in this last episode, but so far only one has been named in, in the um, in actual series. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we got all their names just through other the website and other sources. But so, so far we've just got Basil, which, you know, is very, very directly taken from the herb. So they spell his name the way they should. And there's not really much to talk about. So yeah, as opposed to some of the other ones, um, some I guess maybe we can mention some of those names. I, I didn't talk a whole lot about it in the news because I said, well, it's kind of content. Um, Bajiru is pretty much just their approximation of our word for basil. So I guess the question here is, and I don't really have a good answer for it. Do you think we should pronounce the character's name aloud as basil, like it's the exact word for, or as basil? Well, I just do the exact word myself. I mean, it's, you know, it's again, it's kind of like trunks versus, you know, they don't say it exactly the same way we say the English word, but mm-hmm. it'd be kind of annoying to say Turankus all the time. But I don't know. I feel like, uh, is that different? Oh, that's tough. No, it's pretty much the same thing. So I guess we yeah. should say basil. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the only, the only, the thing that I think might throw people off is that in spelled with a J, but that's just how they approximate that sound. The Z-ish kind of sound. Yeah. It's ultimately the same sort of thing as them using R for L sounds, things mm-hmm. that would be L sounds in English. And I guess just some of the other names that we already know. Uh, one of the other characters is Lavender. We didn't actually get on the official website, which I thought was kind of weird, but is previewed in uh, Weekly Jump. That's the oh, same yeah. thing as other characters where you drop off the elongated ah sound at the end. So it's not an ER, it's just a ah. Yeah, so exactly the same as with Freezer versus Frieza. And what was the other character? I actually forget what the other one is. Um, Bergamo from Bergamot. Okay. Which is not a word I'm too familiar with prior to this, but Mm -hmm. apparently it's 
uh, it's kind of it's refers to an orange, a kind of orange, but also to a herb. So it's like the overall they have the three of them. They have a herb theme going on. Well, other than that, what else is there with the again? We're only two episodes into the arc. I don't know. Are there other characters that we know? I don't think they named anyone else, really. Getting away from the new arc and just like the back the back catalog episodes that they went through. Yeah, sure. You know, I guess the real the big I mean, overall, the the quality of the translations, it, it's kept the same as that first batch of episodes that we talked about last time. Right. So, you know, it's just overall, like, I think what I said was like a B plus or something over where it's, um, there's, there's enough problems here and there to keep it from being like an A, but overall it's like, I don't have too many complaints. Like, you know, um, each week I just, once the episode goes up on Crunchyroll, I kind of go through it and try and, um, see if there's anything like translation wise to point out. But like most weeks I just, end up doing stupid jokes because there there's, there's really not nothing yeah, yeah. to complain about. Yeah, we said at the time that most of our complaints were just nitpicky stuff over proper nouns and the mixing of dubisms and like straight romanizations, which is super weird. Yeah, and so on that note, like probably the biggest thing, I don't think we talked about this last time, but how they translated Kaioken. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it the King Kai Fist or King Kai Strike? Is that how they did it? Yeah, King Kai Fist. Which is like another one of those half translation accurate to Funimation at the same time kind of thing. Yeah, which I think um, the original Budokai game, yes, the English version, they used that as their translation because for some reason, the translations in that game were kind of all over, all over the place. Yeah, and the translation was different from the American re- release and the European release. Uh, after that, uh, our buddy Steve Simmons, who does most of the uh, official translations for Dragon Ball merchandise for Funimation, uh, he actually translated Budokai 2 and 3. Uh, one seemed to be this internal different localization teams at, I guess it would have been Bond die at the time. Yeah, and I guess we should say very quickly, Kaio Ken. Ken means fist literally, but it's mm-hmm. also used as just for any kind of attack in general, even if it's not literally punching somebody. Right, right. So same thing with Tayo Ken, which is sun fist fist of the sun yeah yeah but you know it's not even it's not even hitting anybody it's just a bright light. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing with here where it's not literally an attack like a buffer technique really but anyway and so obviously so the idea is that if you translate kai because kaio he invented this technique he named it after himself and so therefore it's kaio's technique the kaio ken and therefore if you're going to call kaio king kai then it, it's internally consistent it is, in, yeah. in that case to go with um king kai fist but obviously it's not what the funimation dub went with and so it's kind of confused everybody that the crunchyroll subs went with this translation but i mean i guess we don't really know why they did that but if i had to guess i'd assume it's because they were told like, well, we're going to translate Kaio as King Kai. And nobody said, oh, but we're going to keep Kaioken as Kaioken. And so somebody's like, well, if Kaio's King Kai, I guess this is how we do this technique name. Yeah, it seems like the kind of thing where they got most of the Bible from Funimation in terms of what their style guide is, but maybe not everything or or they did kind of know, like we've seen time and time again, where most of the time they will default to what a Funimation spelling is, unless it's a new thing, in which case they tend to go with like a raw romanization. I don't know, this is one of those weird in-between ones, but it's got precedent and it's not wrong. It's just yeah. a half translation. I mean, I don't think anyone, wor- I don't think they have like any kind of axe to grind or anything i think they're just trying to be as consistent as they can and i guess the other weird thing like that last which we talked about last time was masenko which they translated as demon flash oh right which is again how it translates but typically in the dub it's been left untranslated and then i guess um also we had the dr slump episodes Mm, yeah yeah yeah. that's a great choice for (laughs) talking about translations kind of challenging but again they you know they handled everything fine i don't think you know they got everyone's names right yeah. Which 
I guess most of them would have appeared in the um, when the dub did the original Dr. Slump crossover, but only Mashirito's kind of the new one. Right. And that's a straight name. It's yeah. kind of hard to mess up. So, yeah, overall, like I don't really have very many complaints. I mean, I think it having these Crunchyroll subs has made my life a lot easier. Oh, I know. I mean, the era of fan subs is for this, at least in English, is pretty much over. Um, I know there's some correction subs out there that kind of remove the dubisms, that kind of stuff. But in general, whether it's Crunchyroll or Daisuke or whatever other service you're using, it's all this new simulcast translation. Everyone's pretty much on the same page here, which is a great thing. So we don't get the, my punch is going to send you to an alternate dimension kind of nonsense anymore. Oh, I did have, okay, so the only um, actual kind of correction I have in my notes is, um, well, I guess appropriately enough, another power strength of debate course. kind of thing. What else but would it be? It's which, I think it's episode six or seven, maybe seven, which, whichever one is the My Bulma episode of Vegeta, he gets angry, he fights Beerus, he's a lot stronger than before, and so Beerus is fighting him, and he says, uh, what the what the line should be is he, that he describes Vegeta as being more fun than the Saiyan who is over at uh, Kaio's planet. So in other words, you know, meaning Goku. Right. So essentially he's saying like, oh, it's it's more fun fighting you than it was fighting Goku, which kind of, you know, kind of implies he's stronger than Goku, which was what we got, <laughs> which was what we got in Battle of Gods. Sure, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the Crunchyroll subs instead say that the, um, that say that Goku was more fun. So they flip it around. How do you think they made that mistake? Is there something with like a verb conjugation somewhere? The, I think it was just kind of just a simple, I mean, it's not even that hard of a sentence, but I think it was just one of those things where, you know, it's just human error where, you know, after, after 78 episodes, <laughs> it was going to be stuff like Bountainous, every now and then something minor like that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, just to emphasize it's like, that's the only example I could really find of anything that even changes anything and even then you might not necessarily care too much about this sort of thing well someone somewhere does so overall i guess it remains with what we talked about before where it's a very good translation we're, we're super happy with it we we have our nitpicks over the proper noun stuff mixing styles and either translating or not but overall it's a great watch yep all right well let's turn our attention over to viz's release of the dragon ball super manga if you haven't been keeping up viz is releasing on a bi-weekly basis every other friday uh chapters of the dragon ball super manga which is illustrated by Toyo Taro and written to some degree. That's a whole nother conversation. Uh, in V-Jump, Shueisha's kind of multimedia-focused promotional magazine comes out on essentially the 21st of every month, uh, barring a Sunday or a holiday, in which case it gets moved up uh, a day or two appropriately. So every month we get a new chapter. Viz is doing every other week on Fridays. They are pretty much going to catch up over the next month. They just put up chapter 18, like we said. Chapter 21 is going to hit later this month. So we're almost there. So this seems like a great time as uh, they're getting ready to wrap up future trunks uh, in Japan as well. How is Viz doing overall, Jake? From my perspective, going along with, uh, I mean, you've translated actually the majority of these chapters uh, in text form here and there just for us to be able to archive and document on the website. Seems pretty close to me. Yeah, there's here as well. There's no major complaints either, but I think I did. I have found a few more random odd things compared with the Crunchyroll subs. Okay, lay it on me. Oh, here it is. So this is in, should be in chapter 18 where Whis reveals that Goku's been summoned by the Omni King. And essentially, Goku, he keeps like saying, uh, for one reason or another, he doesn't really want to go. He thinks they're too busy. And in Japanese, uh, Beer says like, essentially like, uh, how many times do I got to tell you? Where it's like, or literally like, how many times are you going to make me tell you to go? Uh, but at, in Viz though, it's like, uh, and we don't have time to teach you today. Huh. So it's like this kind of weird, like, I don't know what happened there. It's like this kind of 
doesn't make any sense what they used. But even that is like kind of just a one-off thing. And But I guess besides, apart from just translation errors, I've just noticed stuff like um, there's a line where um, Wiss says, I'll apologize on your, I assume, like it's supposed to say, I'll apologize on your behalf, but it just gets cut off. Oh yeah, there's been a lot of that here and there. And it seems like they will correct whatever text placement issues they have later that day or something, but there may be something that still hasn't been fixed in 18. Yeah, so it seems like I've just noticed Stuff like that. Just a quality control issue kind of thing, yeah. I've noticed, like, compared to, like, this, comparing this translation of Viz versus their translation of the actual, the original manga. Oh, yeah. Like, it seems like, I get, well, I guess because they have different people working on it. Yeah, it's different people. (laughs) It just feels, it's very, um... It doesn't feel as polished, I guess. Like there's everything's kind of overly wordy, mm. which I've noticed because I don't know if you have this problem, but just the way you view it on your computer, mm-hmm. like for me, it's just ridiculously terrible. And I don't know if there's like a better version I can use, but like it could never really get anything like it's all the, the fonts always too small. Yeah, I feel the same way even when you go full screen because you're typically on a widescreen monitor like you don't get the benefit of the height versus the width. And it's just to make that worse is just that there a lot of the time it seems like they're not even they just have someone who who will write out a translation and then someone else whose job is to kind of squeeze that into the bubbles. It doesn't seem like they're wording things to make it easier to fit in, which, you know, it's not a major problem. You know, it doesn't really have to do with the translation quality, but like I just, you know, they have characters say like uh, for just like unnecessary words that could have been removed without changing the meaning at all. It is a totally different art for manga here because you are limited by space as opposed to subtitles on a video stream where, you know, if you need to go from two lines to three lines or skin off anyone's back there. So my personal favorite line so far is um, when I think it's Beerus who says, uh, are there any gods who have been throwing around dangerous ideology as of late that you can think of that is that does seem needlessly wordy but at the same time i i feel like i can oh no i don't feel like beerus would quite say it that way yeah that's the other thing is like everyone's a little too formal than they need to be Mm -hmm. sometimes like it's not a consistent problem but it's like i feel the original translation they were very good at having everyone kind of sound the way they should like the more formal talking characters would always have that more formal way of talking in English that they did in Japanese, whereas characters like Goku would have the more hickish thing. But here it's kind of just mix and match, like from line to line, it are kind of very. And obviously this is all, you know, this doesn't, this is just about like the, this is kind of like whipped cream on top kind of thing, getting that kind of stuff right. But I mean, I haven't really noticed any fundamental mistakes aside from that one thing I mentioned. But I guess so speaking also of just their consistency with their uh, translation of the original manga, they have kind of changed a few things around. For instance, uh, Majin Buu is here. He's always Majin Buu. They don't use Jin. And um, the Z sword is the Z sword instead of the Zeta sword. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And I guess just to explain that in Japanese, it is Z, uh, Zeto, which is how the Japanese pronounce the English alphabet letter Z. But for whatever reason, in the original uh, Viz translation of the manga, they changed it to Zeta, which is the Greek letter that's equivalent to our letter Z, more or less, which was kind of a random change that I don't know why they bothered. And then also um, uh, Kachin Steel. Kachin Ko in Japanese, Ko means steel. And Kachin is like the sound effect for a clang or a metallic noise. I kind of liked Klangite. I thought that was, yeah. in the era of them occasionally being too clever for their own good, I thought Klangite wasn't terrible. Yeah, so that's what they came up with, Klangite, which, yeah, it adapts the Japanese pun into English. You know, it's I thought that was pretty good as well. But for whatever reason, here they've reverted to, well, cotton steel, which they don't even, they kind of remove the 
Well, I mean, that's another a valid way to romanize it, but they just spell it with two T's. And then Pocus is still Pocus and Yakon is still Yakon, which is one of those things where it's like, you know, they adapt Pocus's name, but then they don't, they adapt Pui Pui as Pocus. Right. But then Yakon stays Yakon, even though it's like... Same kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, like when you actually look at the original uh, Viz translation, it's like Pui Pui appears in uh, the, at the end of one volume and his, you know, his name gets adapted that way. And then Yakon's in the next volume and his name gets you know left as is and they did the same thing with uh, idasa and ikose oh right right where it's like idasa is in one volume and he his name is adapted as laem because his japanese name is from the japanese word dasai meaning lame lame yeah as an unfashionable un you know unhip all that stuff yeah yeah. and his brother who is ikose sekoi like small-minded petty they adapted one and left the other as is seemingly just because whoever was like they just changed policies between volume release of its <laughs> right right well i i mean i do know i interviewed jason thompson about this into the boot arc he was working remotely as the editor on the series and there was some stuff going around with just the translation and who was working on what and how it was being produced and the boo arc was not in Shonen Jump at that time it was just straight to graphic novel format so those kind of things I, I can see how they came about so one thing that people were kind of asking questions about is that in chapter 17 uh, Goku refers to the Omni King Zeno he calls him Zeni yes in, in the Viz translation it's Zeni and then in the next and actually in Japanese here he's what he says is Zen-O-San without not Chan or anything so it's different from Zenchan, and it's different from saying Zen Osama, so it is its own distinct thing there. Yeah, and that's so he says this, and then Beerus like spits out his drink and just like, How could you be so rude? And the, the joke is that he says, instead of Sama, the respectful thing, he says San, mm-hmm. but he's still, he's still saying the full name Zeno full title but then in the next chapter chapter 18 he introduces he comes up with the pet name Zenchan Mm -hmm. which in in Viz is just left as is as Zenchan right they keep with the honorific there yeah yeah well how do you think they could have done a formal but not formal enough like Mr. Zen or something that's kind of like the straight San translation we usually get yeah I guess or just Mr. Zeno but I guess it is a little tricky but Zenny is it's like almost too in it's less it's even more informal than Zeno San is in Japanese right right and you just get confusing with the money, too. So Yeah, that's the thing. And I think uh, also I, a lot of people, I think, just assumed that in Japanese, he said Zenchan in both cases and they adapted it differently. Mm-hmm. But it's when not the case. the case. Yeah. Got it. The way they handle honorifics seems kind of maybe not inconsistent, but yeah, I guess kind of maybe inconsistent. <laughs> it's more inconsistent than the simulcast subs where most of the time use them, but in some cases they don't. Um, but they are being relatively consistent with their, we'll say Kaioshin, but then we'll also say Lord of Lords. Yeah. I don't know. I think it seems like in the original manga when they do that it would be like they'd use both of them kayo comma lord of worlds so right. it's like you'd, you'd understand that the, these are the same thing mm-hmm. but here it's kind of like they switch back and forth so like I, it seems like they're doing it more confusingly or something that if someone's new to this they'd be more confused right right i get you i think that might just kind of an inherent danger of just jumping into super in general because it's you know <laughs> for sure the sequel to this 519 chapter story i mean i don't envy it kaioshin traditionally we've all just left untranslated but in an era of god of destruction we're not saying hakaishin i kind of feel like well the accompanying thing we should translate kaioshin too but no one ever has except for funimation's half translation and that doesn't work either i don't know i mean that's a whole other topic but sure. i mean i get like the other thing is that, well, Kaioshin is a, a word that Toriyama made up. And I mean, it has it has a meaning, but it's not yeah, yeah. 
It's specifically a Dragon Ball Dragon word, Ball whereas yeah. Hakaishin is an actual pre-existing term. Well, let's actually stick with some proper nouns for a little bit. This was a, a big question going into Viz's translation. How are they going to name the gods of the other universe here, uh, Goasu and Zamasu? And it seems they dropped the trailing U syllable there in Su. Um, what was our decision on Kanzenshu? Why did we make that decision? And then why do you think Viz did what they did? Uh, so we kept the U on the ends because both of these names are puns on, not even pun, like they taken directly from Japanese um, versions of the verb for to be. So zamas is kind of an archaic form of that. And actually in the series, uh, speaking of uh, Idasa and Ikose, their mother ends all her sentences with zamas. Oh, okay. As kind of just a way of showing that she's this rich, upper class kind of person. And then uh, goas, I've never, I don't think I've ever actually seen this used, but it is, it's another, just a fancier way of saying is, essentially. As opposed to desu or des, as yeah. we might pronounce it. Is it the same thing here where that, I, I forget what the actual proper name for that trailing syllable is. So in Japanese, that's sort of thing is lightly pronounced again like with des with d-e-s-u but it's uh, you know it's generally just a des instead of desu mm -hmm. and this is kind of the exact same thing so with our decision at kanzenshu i mean the logic was that since it's taken directly from this japanese word that the we word should, is the word yeah yeah we should spell it as that word and you know pronunciation be damned i mean right we're never going to win that battle with anyone so you know it's like we're not going to spell ryu differently just because everyone's going to mispronounce it ryu it's yeah, like yeah, sure if we're, if we're let the bad you know it's we gotta <laughs> if we let the word terrorists win <laughs> <laughs> yeah something like that <laughs> i get it and, but yeah i guess it is a thing now that people sometimes overly uh pronounce that last you way more than they ought to but yeah, yeah. it's kind of another topic yeah so they left it out like i don't know maybe they didn't know what the pun was or they just didn't care or didn't think it would be of relevant to their audience because you know there's a difference between like with puns things that are puns on english words there's kind of it makes sense to spell it as close to the english pun because that's something that the audience is going to potentially be able to pick up on on their own yeah because i'm not if you sure whereas casual english um reader isn't going to be able to pick up on this pun on these ja obscure japanese words unless they specifically look into it yeah yeah so, and, you know, maybe even just going back to the bubble thing, like maybe they just wanted to save space. Save space. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel like they're probably just trying to guide the pronunciation a little bit better, but I you don't know. I feel like you lose something in the process there. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say, I don't think it's a terrible decision, but I think, like, I think our decision was better. <laughs> I'm with it. And it seems like Funimation slash Bandai Namco, from everything we've seen of them promoting characters and fusions and upcoming DLC and whatever's, um, they're going with the U at the end of the name. So the Crunchyroll subs as well right right i guess we should note that sure anything we already talked about zen o previously because he existed in our first check-in um what else is there to talk about in the uh, we've got the, the whole uh, ningen mortal thing again oh yeah just back and forth all over yeah in viz as well it's kind of back and forth and they also have uh, my personal favorite line is at one point they describe the, the people on babari mm -hmm. as a, a a humanoid like race <laughs> which i find a like because humanoid means right. like a human all right well i guess that wraps up our latest check-in on the translation quality of the simulcast and this is digital soon to be print release of the dragon ball super manga i'm actually looking forward to their their formal release of it in print they'll also do a digital release alongside it uh, 
to see if they update anything uh, from these initial versions and we can kind of do a side-by-side comparison and see how they're different. So, Jake, thank you very much. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, on to our next topic. I guess let's talk about colors and saturation. One of our mini topics this week on the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about what is going on. The animation, more specifically the coloring in the universe survival arc of Dragon Ball Super. Of course, we are all but two episodes into the arc, but it's that noticeable. It's worth talking about. And who else would I have come on to talk about colors and animations? It's Jake. Wait, no, no, it's AJ. It's me. What do you want to call me? Jake Jr.? Jake J? <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> the Jake of animation coming up quickly here in our community. Uh, yeah, I do want to just toss that out there. Like, you came, I feel like, out of nowhere a few years ago. You got so, so into it. And here you are. I got you on the podcast talking about stuff. I think that goes to show that there's there's still space for people to come in new and really find their niche. So I guess congratulations for doing a bunch of free work. Yeah, that, I, that, that's a nice way of putting it. For me, I'm just kind of like I don't do anything in moderation so it's like like all all in or just nothing at all so it's been fun alright so we're two episodes into the universe survival arc and uh, I think we got a glimpse of this with the next episode preview for the first uh, episode of the arc and then with our tease of the opening theme for the arc but here we are we're a couple weeks in shit's a little weird here it's dark yeah it's it's glowy and dark but also super bright and I don't know. It's it's all kinds of bizarre looking and apparently people like it. That's that seems to be the response that I've seen on like a lot of very sort of I don't know how you would call it. Like I guess the the Kanzenshu forum is sort of very hardcore and it's sort of mm-hmm. had a mixed response there, but then I go over you to the like, word. You're gonna say casual. I was, I was say say casual, casual. I'm trying to dodge it. <laughs> but yeah, so so like places like Reddit seem to be absolutely loving it. You're seeing lots of like it it looks like a cell and stuff mm. that sort of makes me cry inside, but you know. I mean, <laughs> we'll get a little bit more into the technical side of things here, but I mean, just at first glance, it seems the kind of thing like when you go to a big box retail store and they have those 4K Ultra HD setups going and they just crank everything up to try and fake you out a little bit into thinking like, oh, this is so much more vivid than it really is. Like, well, that's not what that picture is supposed to look like. Do you feel like there's a little bit of that trickery going on here? Yeah, definitely. I I think you put it best. Like, there's no there's no moderation to it which is what i keep trying to say like i don't i don't inherently dislike the idea behind it and i think Mm -hmm. with some sort of tweaking here and there it could be okay but at the moment it's so like you say it's so full force it's so in your face it's so trying to say like hey new shiny cool thing you know please like this you know, I, I saw someone bring this up on uh, our forum, the Content Shoot forum, and I just actually just wrapped up watching the second episode of the arc this morning with Mary. Uh, and as we got done watching the episode, we were talking about the, the coloring a little bit. She's like, oh, are they considering this like season two of Super, even though we're several arcs in? Uh, you know, when you have an opening theme change, that's an excuse to kind of like make this soft break. Uh, the discussion I saw in the forums, like, are they rebooting Dragon Ball Super? And I think a lot of people brought that back to, well, that's not the right way to describe it. Maybe like a soft reboot of Super. Like, okay, this is all completely new. We're going to take a new approach to the visuals a little bit along the way. Does this feel kind of like what they're doing? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely seems to be some sort of like, I guess, like a trying to trying to push like a chapter two onto people. Like, a this is super in twenty seventeen. Please ignore, mm. you know, sort of the the craziness that came before. And obviously, I, I guess it's too early to sort of say it's it's successful. But in terms of sort of what we've seen in these first two episodes, obviously, it's it's a tiny sample size, but it's been it's been good. So it'll be interesting to see whether it it all pans out. Because I mean, if it if we do get to the end of this arc and it was you know, pretty solid from start to finish, then I can go, okay, yeah, you know, it makes sense what they tried to do here. Right. Well, let's talk about it a little bit more in depth. I feel like we have two sides of the coin here, like we were saying. The general stuff just on Earth and even when we get into the fighting here is much more saturated, thicker lines. And then we have a couple scenes out on, was it... The Kaioshin's planet or Beerus's planet. I don't actually, I just watched it. I don't remember where they were exactly. But that seemed like a much more pastel-y, subdued, low transparency almost on the image a little bit. Yeah, so the way that I've sort of been looking at it is that they seem to be setting an atmosphere for every single location, which I think is is cool to do. That is cool, um, yeah. But it, but it definitely makes it stand out way, way more. Like for me on Earth, you don't have as much glow and so it's more bearable for me because then you have the the line art thing that I'm sure we'll get onto, yeah, yeah. which is which I quite like. But then as soon as you do hit the Kaioshin realm and anything involving gods and stuff like that, and it's like, yes, it does get more passly, but dear God, does the glow just go insane? Like it, it's so extreme that I I personally find it very very distracting. I do too, and I think that's it for me. Where I'm all about setting this tone, but I feel like the colors already did that in and of themselves, and this extra stuff they're doing on top of it is just distracting me. From that a little bit yeah and no, i definitely agree um because i think we noticed um i think it must have been towards the future trunks arc that the stuff in the kaioshin realm it did have different colors it was definitely a lot softer maybe a little bit brighter but it definitely has been turned up to 11 now uh let's talk about that line art you mentioned a little bit this is the one thing that i do like i feel like we're getting a little bit more variable line strokes in the character designs and as they come toward the screen things change a little bit it gives it a, a really nice dare i say modern look to the animation yeah it is it is really really cool um i think some a a big complaint that was always levied at super was that uh, or or modern dragon ball content in general is that it looks too sterile it's so it's so clean yeah one like thin little black outline around everything that's it yeah. yeah whereas this this new this new look is definitely almost definitely trying to sort of put that more I don't want to say hand drawn because obviously it is hand drawn but sure, the final sure. the final product doesn't look so digitized it, it, it has some sort of authenticity to it I, I really don't know how to put this it is difficult I know like you want to talk about that handcrafted talent to it but it still is that regardless. So in this case it's a more conscious choice than it was for back in the 80s and 90s when that was just the plain old result of doing celluloid stuff yeah exactly i think what's what's amazing is that this isn't none of this is manual like this is all automatic which kind of i mean i I find that impressive personally it's something that first popped up or maybe not first popped up popped up but the first time i noticed it was on uh the recent tiger mask anime that just came out now a lot of people Um, have been talking about that i know i need to watch it yeah and so with that uh something that toei were pushing just before it went on air is this new uh line processing they basically took the 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 regular sort of thin you know one one uh thickness line and then they turned it into this 
almost brush stroke uh, kind of effect. And it was really, really well done. And so it kind of seems like that's exactly what's happening with Super, except instead of brush strokes, it's just, you know, more thickness in areas. Yeah, yeah. I want to take it back to that saturation again. I feel like this is where the complaining from our side is going to come in. And this has primarily been uh, with the fighting out in the Zen-O area, uh, also in the opening theme. Some other comments I've seen tossed around is we're getting back to this uh, this era of crushed blacks where we're losing some detail in things. What's going on? Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to really stomach as someone who is very into video quality. I think a lot of people will feel that way. On Goku's hair, obviously you you have on the character design sheets about sort of three different shades, whereas with this new filter on top, you very rarely see those three shades now. Sometimes it looks totally black, sometimes you can see two, but rarely do you see the full three that there's meant to be. Oh, well, AJ, the manga was just one color. Toriyama didn't do shading, <laughs> so this is accurate to the manga. What's the problem here? Uh, so yeah, so so what's um, what what makes this frustrating is that that uh, Toei obviously put out previews before the episodes. They go up on like Fuji's website, mm-hmm. and they don't have the filter applied. And so we can take those shots and compare them to the final episode, and you can see what's being lost. Like I just yesterday, I took something that Fuji had tweeted, which was just a plain old regular colored, like the old arcs of super screenshot, mm-hmm. did a silly little filter on top of it, kind of blew out some stuff and then compared it to what they did. And it was so similar that it was just kind of depressing. You were losing a lot of detail when it came to like the shadows on like the trees and stuff and like the backdrops were just totally blown out, like the sky and all that kind of thing. I don't know. Like it's, I, I would say I, I prefer the sort of completeness of the filter yeah yeah. but the fact i'm losing so much is doesn't sit right with me like my brain that loves video says (laughs) you know there's information there right right well this is sounding a lot like funimation's remastering process over the years and we're going to get more in depth with that in in just a minute here but uh, those details that that are being lost that that is frustrating it's like you know there's something there from what you've said with the preview shots they've shared versus what the final version is clearly it is something being done in post-production it's not being made to look that way from the start like it's a conscious decision yeah exactly this is the kind of thing that gets done during what they call the photography stage where they take the animation and, and sort of throw it against the backdrop and then start applying all of the lighting effects and in this case the line work and the the crazy colors so this is really hard because we don't want to kind of like extrapolate more information in context than what we've been given but it's tough like we feel like we want to do this so we've learned about this dragon ball room which is a new initiative that shueisha has put together in japan where they're going to be far more interdepartmental oriented than they ever have been before there have been examples where they've done this where they're like all right everyone do bardock this half of the year. So we got the re-release of the Bardock TV special. We got Bardock in Heroes. We got episode of Bardock, more cards. Like that was a, a very solid effort all around from everyone. And it seems like with the Dragon Ball Room, they want to do more of that. But this also seems like more of a, not just all the products they're doing in Japan, but internationally focused. In one of the recent articles we got that Jake translated, we have up on Konzenshu, they specifically talked about the international market. And that was the quote we got where it was, well, everyone outside Japan likes Broly. So I guess, and we've seen the result of that in the opening to Dragon Ball Super. We still don't know where that's quite going, but it really does feel to us like, uh uh-oh. 
They're looking to the international market. What do they see when they look to the international market? Funimation's home releases have done so extraordinarily well that Toei has told all of their other sub-licensees, we, we don't give you anything anymore, just go take Funimation's thing. So this seems to be like the global visual of Z now, which is so frustrating to people like us. But I feel like they're looking at that and going, well, let's just do that. They look to YouTube, to all these people who do their 4K HD DVZ clips, stretched, blown out. That's what people want. Let's give the people what they want. And we're just fetal position crying in the corner. Yep, that sounds about right. They're definitely paying attention. Like they, they have to be. There's no way. There's no way they they announce this Dragon Ball room. Talk about Broly. Give us Broly in the opening, like you say. Yeah, I mean there there have been so many so many videos that have gone up from people who are who are doing that sort of whole. Oh, what if Super was made in the '90s? And they've basically given it the same look as what Super kind of has now. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, part of me is is just wants to have a little bit of faith that maybe they're not looking at those videos. That they're not looking at YouTube and going, yeah. "How do we match the twenty seven million views on this clip?" Yeah, exactly. I I think I feel much more comfortable just pretending that okay, they're just looking at Funimation because at least then you know, even though it's not good, at least it's it's being done by a professional company. I guess that that makes it sit a little bit better with me. Is that where we're calling Steve Franco now? Yep. Let, let's let's go with that. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, it's um, it's like this weird outside looking in, looking back outside circular loop of video production. And it makes it's my horrifying. brain hurt. It's it's that's exactly right. It is horrifying. But all right, this is the world we live in. <laughs> so let's ignore the Dragon Ball room. I, I think we already know what the answer to this is going to be. But can you tell me a little bit about who some of the animators and supervisors have been on these couple episodes and maybe even who we know uh, is coming up? Would they have any influence or say or direction on this? And if not, like who's the top boss on this? So in terms of the supervisors, I think the extent that they can really go would be down to the line art, the way that their style is put forth in the episode. Like if we think back to episode four with Seizo Toma, you had those incredibly thick lines. Yeah, which this, were... is, this is feeling reminiscent of that now. Exactly. I, yeah, I like so... I, I feel like when we got that episode, that was, oh, cool. They're going to like start doing this and then never again. Yep, never again, which was such a shame. So, yeah, I mean, in, in that sense, it's, um, you know, it's great. And that stuff was obviously, that's his style that's done um, manually. And so, yeah, I mean, supervisors can change stuff like that. But because this is automatic, it doesn't really, has pretty much has nothing to do with them. If anyone was going to be responsible for this new look, it would be the series director uh, or the series directors, as we have now, right. um, Ryota Nakamura and uh, Tatsuya Nagamine. So, um, yeah, I don't know if this is, they, if they've come along and they've gone, right, let's try and, you know, make this look a little bit nostalgic or whether they've just been sort of told from the Dragon Ball room, hey, people seem to really like this. Can you do this? Or, mm. or maybe it's both. I don't know. A little bit all, all around there. Yeah. Let's talk about the series director thing. This is uh, a prediction. Uh, I know our episodes have been recorded early and released late, so we're kind of in and out all over the place ourselves here on the podcast. But one of the predictions Heath made uh, before the news broke was that we're going to have another production shakeup and we're going to get another series director on Super. Well, not only did that happen, but now we have two. AJ, we're on director number five here. What the hell is going on? I don't know. I really don't know. And it's so, it's depressing. And I don't want to be sort of pessimistic because, you know, maybe... Like the sky is falling. Oh God, yeah, we're on five like directors. What do we do? Like that, that, that was my 
instinctive reaction because I mean like One Piece, this, I always bring this up, One Piece is, has like what, like seven, eight hundred episodes now and has I think five series directors. Super has been on air for not even 80 episodes yet and has that many directors. Like it, to me, that feels like people don't want to work on Super and obviously right. we know all about the production issues and you know it's all well documented and so that's kind of like my natural assumption. The only other thing that I can think of, and I mentioned this before we started recording, is that perhaps it's something like what happened with, uh, I forget specific, specifically what it was, but it was something on Naruto where each sort of story arc was done by a specific director. So I don't know whether they're, they're doing that or whether the sky is falling and, and nobody wants to work on Super or what. It's just, it, it makes me feel uneasy. My hope is that for the new arc, this was a conscious decision on their behalf. It really felt like prior to this, when suddenly there was a new series director in the credits, and then we got the King Ryu news, and then that was taken down. That really felt like shit's not going well on the production side. This felt more like a, all right, this is a logical place to make this kind of change. And even though it is weird, like you said, we're not even 80 episodes in, you know, a factor of 10 here, different from One Piece. That is very, very concerning. But if they're going to do it, I guess now makes sense to do so. Yeah, because I mean, we, I say we, me and my lovely animation thread on the forums, I I just call (laughs) us a little, I don't know, we're like a weird part of the forum. Um, Look, look, I, I love everyone and you know that I say this in the most friendly, loving terms. It's an animation circle, Turk. We all know it. Oh, it absolutely is. There, there's only room for like one point of view in there and then everyone else kind of <laughs> just gets shunned away. Um, but yeah, we predicted that there would be a a, a change up because um, Morio Hatano was the series director throughout the Future Trunks arc. And then once that ended, I think it was episode 67 or episode 68, you had Kohei Hatano join him. And this sort of instantly made us think back to when uh, Chioka was joined by Hatano mm-hmm. and then eventually Chioka left. And so we thought, oh no, is this happening again? It's like a because, handoff kind. Thing. Yeah. So we thought, oh, is, is Kohei Hatano going to now take over and, and then Mario Hatano is going to leave? And then out of nowhere, we suddenly get these these brand new directors. And so it was definitely different to what we expected, but we definitely expected a change up, which was different from beforehand, where he just kind of got chewed away and we we're like, oh, oh no, what's happening? Right. Well, again, we're only two episodes in and leave it to you know this podcast where two episodes we can spend 20 minutes talking about what basically know nothing about and just have to make shit up but we try to at least do it in a slightly authoritative we may maybe know what we're talking about kind of way i don't know i, I think that's for the listenership to judge so knowing that we're only two episodes in seeing the next episode preview seeing the opening theme aj what do you think we have to look forward to over the next dark hair in terms of the animation and the coloring and kind of like the the presentation of the series so i th- i feel like the coloring is probably not going to change Nonetheless, there's like a huge outrage. And like we were saying earlier, most people seem fine with it. So mm-hmm. I think it is here to stay. And I think we'll just have to accept it. Maybe they will tone it down in response to the criticisms if they're loud enough. But yeah, I, I, I don't think they will be. Um, well, here's the question. Will it be fixed on the Blu-rays? <laughs> probably not. But but one thing that's <laughs> interesting. Quotes there. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention this. Something that may 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 tint, taint my opinion, may change it. I don't know. Is that... 
um, aside from the glow and the saturation and contrast and whatever, there's actually a layer of grain that I didn't notice until this week because um, I generally watch Super on Daisuke, which has a higher bit rate mm-hmm. than Crunchyroll. And I tend to grab Crunchyroll stuff for my <coughs> for my animation breakdowns. And so I sat down to watch it on Daisuke this week and I noticed that there is a big old layer of grain slapped over the top of it. So I feel like maybe once it's on Blu-ray and you have obviously the colossal bitrate that'll let us see that. Right, uh, right. Clearly, you know, maybe maybe it'll look a little bit better. I don't know. We're, we're Dragon Ball fans. We love grain. <laughs> You've mentioned that a lot going back to when the Blu-rays come out. Just these little tiny things you wouldn't have noticed if you didn't have that bitrate supporting it. Because back then when it was TV rips, I mean, it was compressed TV rips. Uh, yeah, it's really and- bad. Yeah, and then Crunchyroll. I I feel like a lot of people rush to Crunchyroll to watch it uh, before the HD version is even available on desktop computers. So kind of missing detail there. And like you're saying, Dicey's got a little bit better of a presentation. So now hopefully those Blu-rays will will ease the pain a little bit. I hope so. But um, yeah, no. So so to get back to what you were saying. Um about how things will maybe look throughout the tournament. It is a little bit, it is a little bit soon to say, because I mean, towards the start of the future trunks arc, things were mostly holding together. And then as we got towards the end where there was lots of action in a row, we definitely saw things start to fall apart a little bit. Right. So there, there was less of that extra flair on top of the show because they just needed to get the show done in time. Yeah, exactly. And they made a lot of use of the sort of going back and forth in time. I, I, I don't want to say it definitively, but it felt like there was almost, that was almost written for the sake of the animators. So <laughs> for that the they sake could, of like, the show. Yeah. So it was like, you know, we can do a good episode here and then they can go back to the past and we can take a rest for a little bit and then they'll come back and it'll be amazing. And then, yeah. So what scares me about the the tournament is that obviously, unless it's it's written in a way, maybe like you Haka shows dark tournament where you've got stuff going on sort of around the the outside of the matches. Right. Right. Um, you know how are they how are they going to move away from this? And is Super really equipped to be able to do so many right. fights in a row? To be all fights all the time. Yeah. This is this is not something a year ago we thought Super would be able to sustain, and I guess we're still not sure if it is. So yeah, like you're saying, not just the the drawing quality, the animation quality but the effect quality on top of that i guess that all remains to be seen if it'll hold together yeah i mean i'm optimistic because we we definitely are in a better place we definitely do definitely do have better animators and it definitely feels more organized now in terms of the way that the uh, animators are rotated around each episode so it, it has the potential to be very good but just the the actual layout of the arc is is what scares me if it turns out that you know they can cut away plenty to to loads of different side things and it's not just match after match after match after match then yeah i think it could be pretty good all right well i think that wraps up our our mini topic which is pretty much a full topic in and of itself. Uh, you've been doing a lot of video content, other stuff out there. I mean, some official Konzenshu content, but it may as well be. So why don't you plug some of the things that you've released uh, recently here? Sure. So uh, aside from the animation catalog that I started on the forum, I decided to sort of transfer that to YouTube in a way and basically cover the episodes as they as they come out each week and just sort of sort of talk about how was the animation, who did what, um, was there anything noteworthy, uh, what can we look forward to in the future, just stuff like that. And then alongside that, I kind of do this sort of, I don't know what to call it, maybe like a mini documentary series on Super's supervisors. I just recently came out with one on Tadayoshi Yamamura 
Navarro, who is a little bit controversial these days. So I tried to sort of document his history, um, throw some of my own opinions in there and, and hopefully sort of offer a different perspective than perhaps people were expecting. I don't know, but it's uh, been well received so far. So if you haven't seen that, definitely go and give it a watch. Agreed. Consensu approved. So check it all out. I'll drop a few links to stuff. So AJ, thanks for joining. Thank you. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, H.A. Those are our two little mini topics, which are pretty much full topics. Wanted to throw a couple together. You get a longer episode out of it. That works fine, right? Other than that, I don't have a whole lot of exciting announcements for you right now. It's just kind of business as usual, trying to catch up on content while also keeping up with the news. So www.kanzenshuu.com. That is comzenshu.com. You got me. My name is Mike. You got Heath. You got Jake. You got Julian. Those are the four of us. We run the Konzenshu. So with that all being said, I guess that's going to bring our episode to a close we will see you next time here on the show wherever you are whatever you're doing i hope it is wonderful see you next time